0: Everywhere, fundraising everywhere,
1: fundraising everywhere,
0: fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising
1: everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, (laughs) fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising everywhere, fundraising (laughs)
0: everywhere, you need to add me in there. Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we dive deeper into select topics and we give you a glimpse of one of our amazing webinars or conferences. My name's Simon scriver I'm one of the co-founders of Fundraising Everywhere, and I'm here to tell you that you can get a fifty percent discount on any of our stuff by using the code FE podcast. Yep, use the discount code FE podcast when you're at fundraisingeverywhere.com, and you'll get fifty percent off any of our tickets.
1: Hello, hello, a very, very warm welcome to you all at today's webinar In Safe Hands, how leadership can provide an inclusive, safe and high-performing team My name's Alex Edis and I'm Head of Growth Marketing here at Fundraising Everywhere If you haven't met me before And I'm Chilean from a very hot and sticky northwest France There's not much air, I don't want to complain about the nice weather But uh, it's, feeling, it's feeling very hot over here We're so thrilled to welcome the fabulous David Amos Reeves as our guest speaker today. Um, He's got loads and loads of experience, he's also a really lovely person as well so I'm very excited to to have him uh, with us today. He's got over a decade of experience as a multi-discipline fundraiser and David changed focus to work in an organisational change role to deliver great supporter experience in a national charity. He soon discovered the way to deliver great experiences is through leadership and management And he spent the last two years studying senior leadership at master's level to truly understand how to deliver meaningful organisational change through leadership behaviour and cultural change. Now, one of the questions David will be exploring today is what makes a team dysfunctional? And I'm sure we've all got our own experiences of that in, in roles that we've had in the past. In this interactive session, we'll be reflecting on some of our worst team experiences, discussing psychological safety as well as hear insights from David's own research into the leadership behaviours critical to enabling a safe, inclusive and high-performing workplace. So without further ado, uh, David, over to you. So lovely to have you here. Um, I know people will likely have questions for you um, and we'll collect them up in the chat box and we'll put them to you um, at the end of your session. So David, over to you. Very excited. Thank you, Alex. What
0: a Awesome introduction and hello to everybody listening in. Um, I'm not quite as exotic as Northern France. I'm in Clyde Grantham um, and it's not sunny here at the moment, but never mind. Um, and it's it's such an honour to be here and I will definitely be listening in at the Leadership Festival. So um, I recommend uh, those of you there to, uh, to attend as well. Um, some of you may know me because I've been quite a prominent voice around supporter experience um, and um, as Alex has rightly introduced one of my passions is leadership and I've took great pleasure in being able to study that and being able to um, actually research an area of leadership that uh, that I found really interesting, which is this concept of psychological safety. So um, today through a bit of an interactive journey, uh, which will be weird because I can't see any of you. Um, uh, we will start to explore some of our own experiences of of safety in the workplace, and um, and start to think about kind of the some of the outputs from the research and interact with the out- outputs from the research that I conducted. Um, and I'm also going to share uh, the recommendations from that and the results that I found by practicing my own recommendations, and give you some um, some real real examples of that happening as well. Um, so I promised that it was going to be an interactive session, and we're going to get straight into that. Um, right from the start. Um, So what I'd like you to do is just go to menti.com and enter the code that you'll see in the chat and also on the screen. Um, And just, no need to overthink this, but just think of one simple word to describe your current mood or state. You can do this on your phone, you can do this on your laptop or whatever device you're using. Um, And it's just a little warm up to get you used to using Menti because we'll use it again later. Um, Not only that, it's also a really great exercise to help you demonstrate with your team's a little bit of your own vulnerability and authenticity uh, and most importantly for you to take a moment to um, acknowledge your own kind of state and you'll see why this is important a little bit later. I'm going to have a go myself as well so uh, I'm going to log in on the phone and pop in how I'm feeling. Um, I'm even going to tell you out loud as well while we're waiting. Um, I'm sleep deprived um, is my answer Um, and I was sleep deprived because I didn't get much sleep last night because I was dealing with, with something I had to deal with at work but um, that's okay, it's not going to change how I'm, how I'm going to interact with you today lots of great things are, distracted, hopeful, happy, hungry, curious thank you, thank you for sharing. This isn't about um, talking about any of these or pulling them out, this activity is really just for you to acknowledge in yourself and to others the state that you're in now so that you can really recognize what you need to do in order to be present and active in this session even if that's going to grab a Snickers or something similar. Um, one way to truly understand the impact of leadership in a team um, is to think about when you've had a less than an ideal experience. So in a minute, I will be moving the uh, mentee on to the next question. And I'll just be asking you to think about an experience that you've had in a team that wasn't great. Um, and if you are triggered by engaging this in this reflection, then please just be a passive participant and relax and and listen to me and watch things go by. And before you do that, I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to share one of my experiences with you. And for me, I worked in a team where the leaders were self-serving. They had an agenda. They didn't really entertain any form of feedback. Um, it was a really authoritarian environment. And every time I had a one-to-one, it was very much focused on the to-do list and critiquing whether or not I was doing a good job um, as to their opinion and what a good job was. I was never heard, I wasn't really given an opportunity to develop or grow and I was often treated simply as a means to an end. What me and my colleagues felt were the right things to do were often dismissed by the leaders in favour of their own ideas, so there's a real lack of buy-in from the team. There was disagreement over how we should be going about doing our work, little to no opportunity to feedback and input in and decisions. Um, when I say this and I, and, I, and I talk about this experience, somehow it's amazing that I managed the last two years there. But I did. But what I experienced there was a real lack of trust, a lack of healthy conflict, um, no real commitment as a team, and therefore no real focus on the results that really mattered. And um, and so what I'd like you to do now is just spend a couple of minutes thinking about that experience that you've had, you know, you're not, you're not having to share the experience and just selecting the most appropriate options on, on your Menti screen right now that describe the kinds of things that were driving that experience for you. You can select multiple options as five on there um, and just spend a, a minute or two, just, just selecting the ones that are most relevant that you experienced. And I'm going to do the same as well. because you can see some results coming in straight away. You know, conflict was awkward, personal or a pointless endeavour. Um, nobody really committing to the collective agreement. It's interesting that the conflict one's quite high um, and we'll talk a little bit about this. Um, we'll touch on it a little bit in the, in the next few minutes. Um, but interesting to, to see that. Had our own agendas or outcomes. Nothing of any particular surprise here but there's a lot of different perspective on what makes a high-performing team. Nearly all of them start with some form of definition of trust, Um, and this isn't about whether you trust someone to do their job. It's actually about whether you trust others to give you the benefit of the doubt when you do something that you might ordinarily feel uncomfortable doing. Uh, It helps you to take interpersonal risks, um, this, this kind of distrust, this definition of trust. And these are situations where you might put yourself out there to disagree or to say that you need help or to say that you're struggling. This is what psychological safety is all about. And, um, you saw in your responses there that, that the conflict was, was awkward. Actually, that's because people weren't feeling like safe. They were safe to disagree. perhaps. Um, and all of this is about you feeling comfortable within your team to bring up the issues um, that are meaningful for you and your objectives at work true to yourself and being valued for it being able to take those risks and ask for help and make mistakes most importantly without any repercussions on you as an individual whether that's psychological or or otherwise and as a result it becomes really vital for inclusion and um, ultimately what good is being diverse and inclusive in your policies if people can't be themselves at work can't have healthy conflicts can't feel like they can raise their hand and say hey, actually, I need help, or I've made a mistake. Um, These interpersonal risks are what underpin a high-performing team. In my own research, I heard some quite scary quotes, actually, of participants who said that they felt like they had to be a certain way at work. They had really ingrained beliefs about um, this work persona that was not them as an actual person. And they commented on how um, it gave them a low-level anxiety that actually drained them over time. And they had less energy at the end of the week because they were putting on this performance all the time. Um, I heard people talking about saying they were fearful of losing their jobs, if they voiced an opposing opinion, um, I heard people replay times where they would make a challenge in, um, in a team setting and would immediately be undermined by the leaders and the other people in the room for making that challenge. The sad thing is that all these are relatable experiences and they're likely to be happening in your workplace right now, perhaps even because of something you've done or said yourselves and that's something that is important within this research. The foundation to overcome all of these situations is psychological safety, it's that trust, it's that genuine feeling of safety within your team and it has been researched in significant depth so what I'm doing is nothing new. Um, I've repeated a lot of things that have happened in the past, but I'm bringing it to life with real examples. Um, and its resurgence is down to a, a lady called Amy Edmondson. Um, so I thoroughly recommend picking up a book. It's called The Fitness Organization. I've got it here actually, because I'm about to lend it to a colleague. Um, but why is it that psychological safety is so important? Um, the research that's been into this, but gone into this over the, over the last few decades, um, has really shown that it's a really important foundation for Things like your task performance and your colleagues' task performance, your commitment to work, your job satisfaction. It leads to what, what's termed citizenship behavior. So it's where you're doing things within the organization for the greater good of the organization that are beyond your task and beyond your, what's expected of you. And that's a benefit to everybody. It provides a safe environment where you can learn, you can take risks and, and learn from those risks without fearing a repercussion. Um, it helps with creativity um, and all of these increase the performance and the sustainability of you, your teams and the organization as a whole. Sounds amazing. Incredibly, the majority of organizations are not psychological sa- psychologically safe. And this is something that Amy Edmondson found in all of her research she says that something more than half of of any of the organizations she's ever interacted with are not psychologically safe and my suspicion is and I haven't got any evidence to say otherwise is actually it's probably on the increase now with remote working and it's important to say that remote working isn't the cause but our behaviors and culture around remote working is probably making it a little bit worse so what I'd like to do is actually get an idea of what your psychological safety is like right now. So I have another Mentimeter for you. You'll notice there's a different room code, um, it's the same link, but different room code. And this is largely because I'm cheap and I only use the free, free version of Mentimeter. There's um, the seven simple questions, uh, on a scale from never to all the time. Um, and just take a couple of minutes, answer the questions on your current situation at work, how you feel, um, be really honest with yourself and remember that just because you might feel nice. At work and you have lots of friends doesn't actually mean that it's psychologically safe i'm going to have a go myself i'm always participating and we'll see what we end up with at the end and these questions um, were part of my research so i, I asked um, there was a couple of hundred colleagues actually took part in it, um, and it gave me an opportunity to kind of assess the overall picture of psychological safety within the um, within the case study that I was looking at. Um, and generally, psychological safety seemed to be quite good at first glance. But what was really apparent is that different teams and departments had wildly different experiences of psychological safety, and that meant I really wanted to delve into the differences between the experiences that these people were having at work what was causing it Um, and unsurprisingly it came down to leadership behavior but I'll share what I settled on um, shortly so starting to see some results come in now that's great Um, really pleased that people feel like you are able to bring up problems and tough issues that's good generally people feel it's safe to take a risk It's good that people aren't undermining you um, and undermining your efforts, and a good chunk of you feel like your unique skills and talents are valued. That's good. That's good to know. That are probably a little bit self-fulfilling here because I imagine your personal development—you're uh, inclined more towards personal and professional development. So, um, but there'll be experiences of people within your teams um, that are very different to this. Um, and I'm going to explain a little bit about um how it works um just with the output of one of my models. Um, so this isn't anything uh, particularly new. Um, it is reflective of um, what's happening in the research already. Um, but this is what I came up with And you can see at the top um in the blue section, you have the work design, so that's the the work environment that you work within. Are you remote? Are you in the office? Um, do you have flexibility in your role um, are you working within a team that have a shared objective those kinds of things um, you have role model behaviour so what are your leaders and your role models within work, they don't necessarily have to be the leaders it could be your peers what um, what What model? What, what behaviours are they role modelling around this your interpersonal relationships so how close are you to your colleagues What relate, what type of relationship do you have with the people around you they're all the external things. They're the things that are visible. They're the things that you see day to day and are the things that cause the stories and the myths and the, um, the, the, the rumour, the stuff that people actually see to reinforce how they feel at work. Um, underneath that, you then have the stuff that's internal. So this is your things like how you what your beliefs around work. And I talked earlier about the uh, example of the work persona um, and people believing they needed to be a certain way at work. One of the things that that the the really interesting quotes that came out of the research was one of the directors um, had been hearing rumors about um, people believing that the organization was really hierarchical and it was a problem and people didn't feel like they could do anything without going up and down the hierarchy with any, with any data, So they didn't have the autonomy and, And that director's comment on that was actually, that's not my experience of the organization. I don't believe, I don't know where that's coming from. Now, if I was, um, in a coaching mode in these interviews, rather than just there to listen, um, my, uh, my response to that would have been, well, what have you done to understand where that belief is coming from? So what questions have you asked of your colleagues to understand why they think there is a problem with hierarchy? And it might not be that there's a problem with hierarchy in the organisation. It might be something that they've carried from uh, previous work beliefs and previous places that they've um, they've worked, and that's just stuck with them. I have my own example of this. Actually, I had a conversation with my my director this week about how my beliefs, my own beliefs, were getting in the way of me being able to give her feedback. Um, and I took an interpersonal risk. I took an interpersonal risk sharing that that. That actually I'd recognized this, I wanted to have a conversation about it, and her response to that reinforced that that was the right thing for me to do. And what you then end up with is a cycle of the response that you get from your environment reinforcing uh, or, or challenging the beliefs that you have. Um, and then right down at the bottom you have the, the ramification of interpersonal risks. So um, for me, the, the size is relevant um, in the diagram how much you believe you're going to um get a, a repercussion from your action is one of the biggest things that's going to stop you from from making that action and some of this is about you um overcoming that and taking the risk anyway because the chances are that, that your environment isn't going to um uh respond in a negative way to reinforce so that was the wrong thing to do so if you end up having a manager that uh, only really has the time to talk to you about your to-do list, never gives you the space to explore your beliefs and opinions and, and choices the organization make, uh, then you'll get stuck in this cycle of continually reinforcing the wrong beliefs and the wrong behaviors, and psychological safety becomes really hard to, uh, to, to, to implement. Um, I heard examples in my research where a colleague um, may present a challenge or opposing idea only for senior leaders in the room to dismiss it. And not only were they dismissing it privately, they were dismissing it publicly. And this seemingly benign action actually decreases the likelihood that that person was going to contribute next time. And this is something that they said in the interviews with me. And um, so it's incredibly important that um, every day, every action, every response that you give, you consider the impact of that on the choices that other people make whether they do it again or not so i'm going to share with you the um recommendations so there was four recommendations um first one big one role model the right behaviors this is about listening with intent you know listen to understand not to to question or challenge and um, be accessible so that the team have an opportunity to speak to you in the moment if they need to and respond Positively and objectively to someone taking an interpersonal risk actually Recognize that they're doing that and recognize that there would have been something internally going on for them that that may have resisted Them doing that behavior most importantly thank them before you do anything. Thank them The biggest thing that you could do here though is actually take those risks yourself doesn't have to be a grand gesture It can be something as simple as doing the state check in that you saw at the start of today Um, and being honest, you know, being able to say, I'm tired, I'm anxious, I'm not at my time, I'm not at my prime, I'm struggling to focus, I'm worried that I made a mistake, you know, anything like that. It's a great way of demonstrating your own vulnerability to allow other people to do it too. I made this, uh, this is how I made it quite an easy conversation within my team. I had, a great example recently where a colleague mentioned that they were feeling anxious and her line manager first response was thank you for sharing. And I saw this. So I followed up with the line manager and praised them for thanking the colleague. So straight away, you've got three levels of, of reinforcement of the right behavior there. And it's a really simple thing that you can do. There's also a great tool. It's um, um, you know, you'll have to Google it, but it's called TS check in or check in TS. Um, and it's a really simple randomizer that just gives you a question that at the start of a meeting, you can, uh, you can ask the team and it just takes a minute or two, have a quick conversation about it. And it's a great way of, 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 of having an opportunity for people to share. It's something that I did quite regularly with my team. Doing this consistently is the only way you will ever make a dent in the underlying beliefs that people um, are holding on to about their work experience. The second uh, recommendation uh, is about investing time in building relationships. Psychological safety comes from shared experiences and commonality. It's even more important in our hybrid, hybrid worlds, um, that people invest time just chatting. Um, you you miss the coffee, you know, the, 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 water cooler chats as they would call them, or just, um, quick conversations over the desk. People miss those. So make sure you make time either at the start of a meeting or the end of a meeting um, or even just to put time in your diary with colleagues just to have a chat without an agenda, without a task list, without things to come back to. Um, And and I do this with with my peers actually in the senior leadership team in our our catch-ups. Many of them are just, what's going on for you? Let's have a chat. Usually they're not um, driven by... um, any particular agendas and that's just something really important to talk about in my team and um, we try and overcome the water cooler chat things and the desk the kind of desk conversations by making a really good use of teams so we have a really great active teams chat it's our space to check in it's our space to be silly we share pictures we talk about our weekends we talk about what's going on and um, we take the mickey out of each other a little bit um, and it's evolved so much uh, as a space for us to share from a year ago Um, I've just seen that someone's asked what the name of the tool was, Um, it's called Check-in TS or TS Check-in, something like that Um, you google it and it will be really obvious Um, my one-to-ones in the team are also rarely about tasks, most of the time I will ask open questions like what has brought you joy at work recently, what's keeping you at starlight you know, an open question like that, it could could open the floodgates, but it's a really healthy question. Um, When have you found things difficult? What have you learned or observed recently? Um, But the most important question is, how are you? And not just a passive, how are you? It is a genuine, how are you? What's going on for you? And these are really great springboard questions to find out what's really going on for your team and how it's impacting them and to underlie that psychological safety. The other thing that we've spoken about recently as a team is actually that we haven't been physically present enough together. Um, I live up in Grantham; they're in London, in different sides. Um, you know, we've we've had a game of backgammon that's been on pause for about eight months, and I've got the photo of the setup on my phone. So, you know, we're we're, we're trying to create that time together now in the office where we can be kind of physically together, and um, they can watch me get absolutely thrashed at board games. Um, but it's important to do that. The next recommendation was around. Um, having a shared goal. One of the fundamental parts of a productive and high-performing team is healthy conflict, and healthy conflict can only occur when you're debating for the same outcome. If your team or the group of people you're working with have a different agenda or a different idea of what success is, you can't have healthy conflict because you're looking for different um, outcomes. So having a common goal that is communicated and shared and understood and owned by the people in the team, it gives them the opportunity to share in the experiences they have in trying to meet that goal. It also gives more purpose for people taking interpersonal risks because it's less about their own agenda and more about the collective agenda. It's especially important where you've got a group of people who work together to deliver a particular outcome, but they aren't part of the same line management structure or the same hierarchy or the same directorship or whatever your team structure is. You'll typically find this in project work, but I quite often experience it where fundraising and marketing teams are in uh, different directorates or different teams and um, They will have different agendas and you try and I see a lot of charities try and cram them together to deliver an outcome But there's a lot of tension through the process because the marketing team want to achieve something very different to what the fundraising team are tried to achieve and um, They haven't agreed their shared goal so One of the things that I recognized in my role, um, in working with the public fundraising, um, the head of public fundraising is that, um, we, we have such an interdependency on each other. Um, our two teams, um, got time together because of this to talk about what our shared objective is. And, um, we used a great analogy that, that, um, that Sam, the head of public fundraising came up with was about a ship and we talked about the island, which is our target. The ship which is as collectively as a team and then the anchor which was one of the things that are stopping us and um in a session sam and i both role modeled being vulnerable and in return we saw our team be vulnerable and we all thanked each other and we talked openly about our challenges and we agreed at the end of it what our shared objective was now there were tears there were laughs there was a really great connection between us all in that moment um and It's something that we have to maintain. It's an evolving and ongoing thing. And in order for those teams to continue to focus on that common objective, um, we're we're getting together again next week and um, as a large team, we're going to carry on with some of that momentum we started and start to tackle one of the challenges and the tensions that's happening in teams at the moment. So really great place to, to, to focus final recommendation. Um, and most importantly is coaching and reflective practice. This is about um, stopping for yourself and just reflecting on um, how your behaviour is setting the tone for how you want your team and the people around you to behave so if you can't find time for one-to-ones, if you can't find time to ask genuine, open, curious questions um, and some of that coaching and do some of that understanding of what's going on for your colleagues they're not going to find the time either and so it 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 cascades and and makes the problem even worse and so what you need to do is is understand how you behave but also combine that with clean open and authentic questions that you can ask um, of your colleagues and their experiences that they're having and it might be that you see something that that um, happens in the work environment and rather than trying to solve it for them, just explore what was going on for them. You know, what, what, literally, that question is a great question. What was going on for you in that moment? Because you can really start to get underneath and um, understand the beliefs and assumptions that that colleague has, and you can help them overcome it. So sometimes all you need to do is just listen, really, really listen. And that concludes the end of the research, but. I really want to kind of encourage you that if you take anything away from today it's this statement here: what behavior am I reinforcing in my colleagues and this quote here I, I love this quote and it and it's uh, it's a quote that came from from one of my team and um it was a while ago now, so you know it continues to develop but I just think it 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 builds a picture quite nicely of the impact of behaving in the way that um build psychological safety within the team and the fact that that trust is from all directions we can be honest and open we are able to tackle problems and challenges and people feel safe going i've made a mistake and that's so valuable for me um at this time at this point i'd really like to invite alex back because i think we've got an opportunity now for uh questions and answers and i would love to hear um the thoughts from you guys who have been who've been listening in Um, And also your reflections on kind of the the questions of the psychological safety test as well.
1: Hi, David. Thank you so much. That was really, really insightful. Um, I love the the interactive platform that you use. Menti, is that what it's called? Yeah, Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, It was so visual and it was lovely to see kind of everything updating in real time. Um, Yeah, so thank you for for bringing that to us. I think that's something we might explore in our events. Cool. Um, so we have had a few questions come through um, and whilst we get to the first few questions, um, folks on the, in the webinar, please don't be shy. Um, there are no silly questions. This is a really safe space. So please do, uh, you know, feel like you have the confidence to put that question out there um, the, 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 the questions in the box, they won't be, um, they won't pull through into the webinar itself. And Anna, who is our live stream engineer, perhaps let's leave off people's names um, in the questions. That might be good because that will come up on the screen. Um, So the first question I'd like to come to is about that topic of psychological safety. Um, And it's how does working remotely affect psychological safety?
0: Um, uh, It's a great question. And as a purist, I say that it doesn't. And the reason that I say that it doesn't is that actually what what ends up happening when you're working remotely is it becomes loaded with a whole new set of beliefs. Um, the, you know, the the belief that just because somebody isn't in front of you, that you can't pick up the phone to them and go, I've got this two minute query. Can you help me with it? Um, I, I have, um, that belief, you know, I'm loaded with that belief and I, and I feel. I feel under pressure not to bother my colleagues when I see their team status say busy or even if their calendar thing is empty. Um, So actually it's more about um, challenging our own beliefs around working remotely rather than about the actual impact of working remotely itself. It does have some other issues with it in the sense that you, um, in in the very nature of video conferencing calls, you lose some of the nonverbal cues that you might get when you're in person there's usually a slight delay, so you can miss them quite easily. Um, but also, in some cases, it might emphasise them because you can see the whole room on one screen. Um, so it, it just means that you have to think differently about how your beliefs are stopping you from doing the things that you're doing normally in the office or getting the outcomes that you would normally get in the office and just be even more aware of... Um, the cues that you need to look for to, 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 to ask the right questions of your colleagues. So I just think it's more about awareness and being co- proactive and challenging your own beliefs.
1: Amazing. Thank you. And I think so, my previous role before I joined Fundraising Everywhere about 18 months ago was headed by GF Friends of the Earth. And I was looking after the team as we came into the pandemic um, and for the, for the duration of that. And something that I noticed. Um, when we did move fully online was that um, obviously it was challenging. There was an awful lot going on personally, professionally. Um, You know, we were starting, you know, policies and and meeting etiquette almost from scratch. Uh, Friends of the Earth had done a lot to to make things remote generally. So I don't think it was as big a jump for us than it was for other organisations. But something I noticed was that it kind of almost leveled the playing field a little bit. I think there were new rules that needed to be created for people to understand how they could interact and like really tight like um agendas and like meeting etiquette were needed so people knew how to participate you can't quite um engage with people in the same way virtually and yes. in person i did find that um p- p- members of my team that perhaps would be quiet in an in person setting they almost it seems to me like they have a little bit more confidence to uh, share in that virtual space whether it would be yeah. um actually speaking um, or actually just writing something in the chat box and participating that way 100%. I,
0: I delivered some remote workshops a while ago, and I used a, a, a virtual kind of whiteboard. and But we did it in silence, and we did it deliberately in silence because most of the group were introverts. And so um, we we did it, it quite kind of quick-fire brainstorming. And when we got to the end of the session, um, one of the feedback pieces was actually they really appreciated the space to think and then write down the, the comments. So actually, remote working gives you probably a better opportunity to engage with um,
1: and include more people because of that Um to say not extroverts that might excel perhaps in that in-person mm-hmm. setting correct yeah yeah amazing thank you so we've got quite a few comments coming through in the chat box uh, we have one comment that says this is just brilliant i already have so many takeaways which is amazing. great and um, we have another comment love brene brown's question what would help look feel like for me in the moment in, in this moment, yeah, which is really good. So it's, kind of, um, giving individuals that, uh, permission to, to, to ask that of their leaders and the leaders creating that space for that. Yeah, I think it's
0: a, it's a great question for a leader to ask when a colleague's coming to you with a challenge or an issue, because what often happens and I've done this myself is, um, uh, one of my team will ask me a question and I'll jump straight into coaching mode. And I'll ask open questions, and actually, sometimes all they just want is a direct answer, yeah. and and the vice versa, the other way, you know, it might be the other way. So actually, asking that question to your colleague who might be coming to you with something is a really good way for them to be confident in your response as
1: well. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. Um, so we have another question. Thank you, David. Really interesting and reflective. I wonder, in in your view how much you think if at all psychological safety can be led from the bottom up i.e you aren't a leader but we all we know that leadership comes from all levels but you have an idea of how you'd like that's a really really good question from that attendee thank you
0: it's a it's a brilliant question thank you and um you almost covered it when you in your response of like leadership comes from more levels um and actually it doesn't matter about your title it's convenient that because you've got a title, people will kind of look up to you because of your beliefs around hierarchy. But actually, um, psychological safety absolutely can be led from the bottom up. And you continue to role model those behaviors and you'll see it cascade around your peers. And as your peers start to pick up those behaviors, it will go up and it will, and, and it will continue that way. Um, the further away you get from, from the source of that behavior, the, the, the slower the progress will be. But it's, but it absolutely, um, you know, if you want that to happen, particularly if you can be in a place when you're in a small project team and um, that might not be associated with with the day-to-day tasks um, or, or et cetera, that's a really good opportunity as a clean slate to establish that from the start. And then you can take those behaviors outside of that project as well. So yeah, 100%. Amazing. Yeah, that was
1: really good advice. Um, we have another comment. Great presentation. I appreciate the honesty. Um, And we have another question, David, I'd be super interested in your thoughts about differences and similarities between psychological safety and psychological health and safety. The two things, psych safety and protecting or promoting good mental health at work, are intimately connected, but I fear they become seen as the same and therefore both can be compromised.
0: Uh, It's a good question. I would caveat my response in the sense that I'm not an expert in terms of, psychological health and safety in terms of mental well-being at work and things like that, but psychological safety becomes an underpinner to that. So take my example of one of the respondents in my survey who said that, um, they carried this work persona with them all the time, um, and weren't being true to themselves and were carrying below level anxiety, their psychological health and safety at work would have been diminished because they weren't feeling comfortable being themselves. So it, it's almost like psychological safety becomes a prerequisite for somebody to have good psychological health and safety at work because they're able to challenge, they're able to voice when they're not feeling at, the, at, their, at their best, they're able to say, my mental health and wellbeing is being challenged at the moment let's do something about that. Um, and so uh, they aren't the same um, uh, it, to answer that question, but they are, as you say, intimately linked in the sense you need the psychological safety to improve your psychological health and safety.
1: Yeah, it's a complex one, but it's an important distinction to make, isn't it? Um, and something that I'd love to get your thoughts on as well, um, something that I... And it really feeds into that attendees' question there. Um, something that I definitely noticed um, during the pandemic being a leader, obviously it was a very challenging uh, time for, for everybody, but... Um, but it did feel at certain points, the lines, I guess the lines did become blurred between home and, and work because we were all at home. But I think those two important um, ideas really did become quite fused. And I felt actually, um, and though I was happy to do it at the time, I did feel sometimes that my um, one-to-ones perhaps with um, individuals in the organisation felt a little bit like a therapy session. Um, when as leaders we're always happy to, to help and support actually sometimes we're not actually the most skilled people to, to be having those conversations and I think having that distinction sometimes can, can help leaders know that it's okay to say I've come up to the edge of my expertise yes. as, a, as a leader, as your manager, as a colleague as your project manager, whatever it might be and actually here are some places that I'd like to sign you, signpost you to because I'd really like to, for you to continue the conversation with people who are, who are really skilled at at this bit of the
0: yeah and that's a really great example so the you know psychological safety that ends when that colleague feels safe feels safe saying actually I'm struggling at work and raises their hand Um, the health and safety element to it then comes in as you say where as a leader or as that person's colleague or peer you're able to go okay here's the resources that can support you through that thank you so much for sharing here's how here's where you can find help I'm not that person because you're not we're not trained to do that so Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely
1: amazing thank you Um, so we have another comment psychological safety sounds like um, the opposite of burnout which is a really good observation Um, as in the things that if they're absent can cause burnout are the things that make psychological safety are the things that psychological safety makes present so interesting yeah that's a really really good way of looking at it actually and um, yeah burnout unfortunately is all too common um, I think most people have experienced burnout at so, in some form at some stage or another um, but yeah I would agree that having strong psychological safety and people just actually knowing what it is and it's it's a good thing and, and how to create that culture and um, can really support you know people so yeah. burnout doesn't happen I guess it's it's being more aware of us and our colleagues those signs so we can feel burnout coming before it happened yeah. to make corrective measures
0: and I, and I think as well that um you know I've 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 suffered burnout before uh, when I was a fundraiser I never want to go there again um it's not it's not pleasant um but I think that we in the sector almost carry some beliefs that we need to work that extra you know that extra few hours or we need to do the ex- go the extra mile mm-hmm. and it's and it's almost taken for granted that that's going to be the case if you work in the industry And, and psychological safety actually gives you the opportunity to go. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out guys. I need to go. And, and we, we do that at work. You know, my, my, my director fairly recently has, 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 you know, put a message in the chat saying not feeling it today. I need to go home. I need to, you know, I need to leave early and we do that. You know, I role model that and, and members of my team do that. It's okay to do that because you're not going to, if you're not at your best, your your work isn't going to be at your best either so um i think it's important to to have that.
1: amazing thank you um and actually that touches on one of the questions that we had around like where you're working now and whether you feel psychologically safe in your organization i guess from your, your answer there you do <laughs> and it's a yeah. behavior yeah. well role
0: models. yeah the short answer is yes um Starlight have spent an awful lot of time and effort in getting the values in the organization right and recruiting people with the right behaviors and Investing time in staff to increase their self-awareness and um, You know really focus on the professional development and we 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 work through like self-awareness models and the dysfunctions of the team and all sorts of things to really get a good understanding of What's going on Um, and Along with lots of other things it creates a really great culture where psychological safety is quite high um it's not perfect it's never i don't think it will ever be perfect anywhere but um I, I just think it's brilliant like it's best best place without a doubt that um i've worked where psychological safety is so high um and, and i don't see it very often so um, i feel great to be part of it and great great to experience a, such a good environment as well
1: amazing thank you for your honest answer um, and i think it will give um some attendees hope as well that um even if your place of work is showing signs of, you know, like good practice isn't totally perfect, you know, yeah. all is not lost. And I guess this is a very live situation, isn't it? And it's something that we always need to be thinking about, talking about and role um and encouraging our teams to role model as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And some days will be better than others, right? Yeah,
0: definitely,
1: definitely. It's always the way we're, we're, an- we're only human. Yeah, yeah snap. <laughs> um, we have a question. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a danger that people can feel psychological safety as their senior are privileged, not to feel vulnerable when they speak out, this is a really nice question, and and not realise that safety comes from power and may not be felt by folk more Junior? That's a really interesting one. I think you touched on this a little earlier, uh, David, but yeah, over to you.
0: Um, I, I, I think this is about making sure that people understand what psychological safety is and isn't. Um, having power and authority is not psychological safety and, and actually um, being in positions of power and authority means makes it even more important that you should be displaying psychologically safe behaviours. Um, I think what makes it really difficult in when people have that attitude in senior roles is because they believe it's psychological safety when it's actually not it, it does make it more difficult for people more junior than them or in less influential roles to be able to speak up um and the way to challenge that if not by you know taking the risk and and giving the feedback yourself um if you're if you're in a culture where feedback is accepted and you feel comfortable doing that is actually finding another route around it so you know are there um, other avenues within your organization that you can go to even if it's whistleblowing as far as that Um, But, you know, there should be, you know, your employer has a right, uh, has a responsibility to look after your well-being as an employee. And there should be a way for you to be able to raise this, the way that you're feeling and that be dealt with. Um, And because psychological safety is such an evolving thing and because workplace culture culture is such a a, a big focus at the moment, there's a lot of resources out there that can help um, and a lot of, of... um, focus on that and in, in the language of HR policies and things so yeah I'm not sure whether I answered that question properly.
1: actually yeah no no thank you no it's really interesting um, it is something that uh, I think will all p- people will to agree always feel um, but like you say um, by having that strong embodiment of the behavior from leaders there's always an invitation to individuals you know, to to share how they're truly feeling, that is like a really pretty great place to start. Um, but I guess something that I uh, would add um, from my own experience of, of being in a in a more junior role, um, sometimes there's safety in numbers. Yes. And actually, you might feel like you want to share it with people who you feel like be more like minded, um, and get a few of you together, and then perhaps to you know, as a, as a collective, you might feel a little bit more. Um, empowered and, and less vulnerable to share some some of those thoughts.
0: Yeah, and and that loops back quite nicely to the question earlier about can you um, can you demonstrate this as as a more junior person? That's a great example of how you could apply that. Actually, is you know, yeah, power in numbers um, and demonstrate the right behaviours. Definitely
1: amazing. Um, we have another comment. Really valued the point about not feeling it today, etc. What happens when you have someone who just takes this to the extreme, and their abuse of the situation impacts on others trying to pick up any extra? I think, yeah, any extra bits of work. So I think that comments about people abusing it is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds sounds like it's about right. And I think I think that's a difficult one to tread because it's loaded with beliefs and assumptions from our part as a recipient of seeing somebody abuse it. It's our judgment that says that they're abusing it, and that might not be true. So. Um, the first the first question is, is to just find out what's going on for that colleague because there'll be something underneath the behaviour, a belief, a value, a whatever it may be that's going on for that person that means that they're behaving in that way. Um and until you get to knowing what the cause of that is, there's nothing really you can do about it. Um so yeah, continuing with that open question, um Giving feedback on what what you're observing and the impact of what you're observing on you and your and your work, um, and and giving them the space to talk about what's going on for them, because there'll be a reason that they're abusing that situation, um, and then you can you can find out the the appropriate action to take.
1: Thank you, David. We've also had um, an attendee who has has responded as well in the room. So and um, they've said psychological safety has been able to talk about it, which is exactly what you're saying there, David. And then a compassionate and sensible conversation about performance management and impact on others um, is something that needs to go hand in hand. Um, And then we've got some tools there. So Kim Scott's Radical Candor framework goes well with Amy Edmondon about providing direct feedback from position of care. That's really great. great. And that's that's what you mentioned earlier, is that right?
0: Uh, so Amy Amy, Amy Edmondson, Edmondson yeah so Amy Edmondson is is the sort of predominant voice on psychological safety she's got a few books out there um, so yeah the the can the radical candor framework is is something that can support that really well
1: actually amazing and do you have any other recommendations from where we can learn more about psychological safety um
0: i'm I'm a big fan of podcasts so I'm not I'm not, not much of a reader um but I love going for a walk with a dog and, and listening to podcasts or you know and I am you know, driving somewhere, listening to podcasts. So there's some really good ones on uh, this, the Harvard Business Review do like a, um, they, they tackle challenges and specific problems that, that organizations have. Um, so they've got a really great podcast that you can search for anything that's got psychological safety in it. Um, Amy Edmondson has done a lot. She's got, I think she's got her own, but she's also been interviewed a huge amount um, over the last couple of, couple of decades. Um, and one that I quite like is um, uh, Patrick Lencioni. He formulated the theory around five dysfunctions of a team, which we, we engaged with a little bit earlier with the, one of the polls. Um, that uh, he's got one called at the table, um, and he talks about quite a lot about the vulnerability-based trust he calls it, but but it's effectively psychological safety. Um, uh, and he's got some really interesting views on that as well. So yeah, definitely recommend.
1: Amazing, thank you. And David, would you be able to send over to us um, some of those links so we can share it with attendees in the wrap-up? Yes, of course, yeah. We'll be yeah, I think that would be really useful, folks. Um, we're coming up to the end now. Um, these sessions always go so quickly. Um, it's such a fascinating topic, and we could have spoken all afternoon about this, uh, but we can't, unfortunately. Um, I will just pose one final question to you from me, which is... Um, what's one bit, advi- one bit of advice that you can give to an attendee today who isn't working in a psychologically safe environment, but they, they want to? And what's that first action that they can take when they come away from this webinar? You know, they might go for their lunch, have their afternoon straw, whatever it might be. When they get back at their desk, what's one meaningful action that they can take themselves as individuals to move towards psychological safety?
0: Oh, I wish that was a simple answer. Um, I think the the first thing that need to do is really explore what is making them not feel safe. And if they can identify the specific thing, because actually they might not be feeling safe because of their own beliefs, rather than actually what's happening. So if they can um, just spend some time reflecting on what's causing it, then they can work out what the best course of action is, whether that's to have an, uh, an open conversation with the person that's you know not displaying the right behaviors and just giving them the feedback um or whether that's actually challenging their own beliefs and and having that conversation with someone to to help with that so um that's probably where i'd start but it's a complex issue
1: yeah i appreciate that (laughs) there's no silver bullet here but i appreciate that thank you we've had another question have you published your research anywhere david and if you have if you could if we could have that link for the wrap-up as well
0: um, I haven't. Um, I actually need to catch up with um, the University of Kent because they might be interested in doing something with it. So, um, mm-hmm. hold that thought.
1: Hold that thought. Amazing. Watch this space. Well, David, you know that you're always welcome to come back um, and, and do a, a part two on this topic because it's fascinating, obviously incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. And um, so on behalf of, of everyone here today and, and the whole team here at Androsing Everywhere, Thank you so much. Um, it's been wonderful and we Thank look forward to back very, very soon. Thanks. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.